It's the other side of midnight with Frank Morano. Now, as uh, that's the only child that I have, but whenever I try to think about something bad happening to him, and there are occasions when you do have to think about something bad happening to him, like uh, we had to get an insurance policy for him, a life insurance policy, and there are other instances that you just think, what happens if he were to die? I have to tell you, just saying that right now, just thinking about it, I almost get um, paralyzed with grief. I mean, just imaginary grief of just the thought of losing my son, who is really... I don't want to say he's the sole reason for my existence, but he's the first and last thought that I have every single day. And the thing that I most look forward to enjoying every single day and to even think about a world where he doesn't exist. I just I'm beside myself. That's why I have uh, an incredible amount of empathy for not empathy necessarily, but sympathy. For anybody that's lost a child, let alone uh, multiple children, I, I just I can't fathom what that must be like. I don't even know how you continue after something like that. And then I happened to be in church last Sunday, and we hadn't gone in a while because my son is not really in a big uh, church-going age. And I saw this woman who we would chat with when we would go to church. And uh, I said to her, how are you? How have you been? And she said, well, you know, my son, my uh, my husband just passed away. And I said, oh, no, I'm sorry to hear that because I'd met her husband. He was a nice guy. And uh, I said, how are you doing with all that? And she said she shook her head no and then bowed her head to the ground and she said, not good. I'm really having a tough time. Lo and behold, I know a lot of people are awake right now because they're having a tough time. They're overcome with grief, maybe a child, maybe a husband or a wife or a sibling or a parent. A lot of people are, you know, wondering with how they can cope. I came across this incredible book recently, and it's all about, on the one part, um, it's an incredibly sad story, but on the other hand, It's an incredibly productive and useful handbook with practical ways that you can channel your grief into something, something productive. Not only is uh, the gentleman that wrote it an incredibly accomplished writer and director for theater and film, but he's actually managed to channel his grief into a live stage show, which is not necessarily a tragedy, if you could believe that. I'm very pleased uh, to welcome to the radio for the first time Colin Campbell, the author of the new book, Finding the Words, Working Through Profound Loss with Hope and Purpose. Colin, thanks so much for joining me on the radio. Hi, Frank. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. So, uh, Colin, I'm sure this is uh, a difficult thing for anybody to talk about, but it strikes me as something that you've talked about more than most people who've been similarly situated. You had uh, two teenage children who were unfortunately killed. What happened? Yeah. Yeah. We were hit by a drunk and high driver uh, going 90 miles an hour. And uh, Ruby and Hart, Ruby was 17 and Hart was 14 in the backseat of my car. And uh, we were T-boned and they were both killed. And how old were your, when your, were your children when they were killed? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Ruby was 17 and Hart was 14. 
Oh, geez. Um, what what became of the driver? She uh, she's in jail and awaiting sentencing. So uh, yeah. How long ago was that? For a little over four years. And still not sentenced. Yeah, apparently, you know, she was charged with two counts of second degree murder. And when the when the um, the charge is so serious, apparently the judges are very, you know, lenient in terms of giving uh, the defense attorneys continuances. Uh, and so she's they keep requesting continuances. And and uh, but I think I think they're going to arrive at some sort of a, a plea deal of some sort soon. But that's not I'm not really that involved because it's the state that's prosecuting it. Sure. Um, Well, that's what I was going to ask is when you have someone whose uh, fate in the legal system is undetermined as of yet for their role in your your children's loss. Does that Mm. make it more difficult to move on with other aspects of your life or it was it would it be just as difficult if this person had been sentenced to 25 years in prison three years ago? Yeah. Yeah, that's a great question. And, you know, I don't. I don't really know because I don't have both options. Sure. I only have the one that I'm living, but I, I don't know. I think it will, it will feel, um, uh, I'm not sure the right word. It will feel like, uh, I get to think about it a little, a little less it, once she's been sentenced and it's a sort of a more of a done deal. But I know that I have a lot of friends now who's, kids were killed by drunk and high drivers um, because that's what happens. You know, you go to grief groups and you meet more people um, with the same terrible fate. And uh, I know some of them get very wrapped up in, you know, going to all the court, um, the court appearances and, and uh, it's tough. It's very tough. It's easy to get caught up in that world of, you know, the criminal justice, Sure. System, and I don't think there's much relief for us victims. I, you know, uh, I don't think there's any real sense of closure or justice, or it's just a, it's just a tough place <laughs> to be in as a victim of you know a violent crime like that. Um, but uh, so so I try to not dwell too much mm-hmm. emotionally, you know, in that world. So tell me yeah. about uh, how how affected you were uh, by by your grief. I can't even, as I said, I can't even imagine no. being in your shoes. No. Uh, tell me what this was like for you emotionally and what this did to you. Well, you know, when I, I heard your opening remarks, it, you know, it, it struck a chord with me because I, I was an extremely hands-on dad. Uh, and my identity was, I was Ruben Hart's dad, um, first and foremost. Uh, and then I was Gail's husband, and then I was, you know, Joan's son and et cetera. But uh, then I was like a, a teacher, a professor, a theater artist, a film artist. But first and foremost, I was Ruby Hart's dad. That was who I was. That's my identity. And so I was shattered, uh, shattered. I didn't know who I was. I didn't know why I was still alive um, without them, how, how I could be without them in this world. Uh, and even now, you know, four and a half years later, it's not it's not easy. Um, it's not easy to even believe that this is real, to be honest. Uh, that the denial is, it's fierce, but I don't, I don't like living in denial. So I try very hard to engage in this world, in this life, you know? Um, and that's really what my book's about. It's how do, how do we as, as mourners, as grievers of profound loss, stay engaged in, in this life and not, you know, in a way disappear and into, uh, 
a word of denial. If people are just tuning in, we're talking with Colin Campbell. He's uh, the author of the book, Finding the Words, Working Through a Profound Loss with Hope and Purpose. Also a, a very accomplished uh, director for both theater and film and, uh, and a writer as well. So uh, how did you start to get out of this? How did you go mm-hmm. from being paralyzed by grief and uncertain about seemingly everything to kind of see that uh, there was a way for life to continue even grappling with all your grief? Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, my my wife is Jewish. I'm not Jewish, but we raised Ruby and Hart as Jews, and we were you know very active. We still are active members of our temple, and um, and I found that the Jewish rituals of mourning really taught me how to grieve. Uh, you know, I, I say I come from a very a grief averse background. My culture, <laughs> wasps. We didn't really talk about grief and grieving, and so uh, so suddenly you know doing these these rituals. Uh, for example, Shiva. You know, for seven nights, people come and, and into your home and, and sit with you in your grief. And at first I thought, like, no, <laughs> please, no, don't do this. But then I discovered, oh, wow, I can talk about Ruby and Heart to people who love them, love me. I can talk about my grief to other people. And and I suddenly realized that this is what grieving is for me. It's, it's taking an active role. It's like um, engaging in grief. And... And that helped me taking action. That idea of taking action really helped me because I felt like sometimes I would just feel like wanting to lie in bed and I just felt crushed by my grief, you know, like this amorphous blob that had no end, no shape. And then I found if I took action, if I, if I talked about Ruby and Hart, if I took a walk with a friend, if I engaged in life, um, even just very simply, you know, lighting a candle, but, but even more so doing more active um, rituals helped me, helped me stay in life. And that was really a kind of like, um, kind of like a wake up call or, or just an inspiration maybe, you know, um, to, to make choices that, that allowed me to stay in life, uh, in, in an active way. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early. So everyone can go home on time. There's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know, I know a, a couple who lost a family member and um, the uh, the wife, her reaction to that was to uh, start to drink more and to mm-hmm. uh, seek people around her that um, she could talk to and have a good time with uh, neighbors, friends. She was interested in socializing. Her husband really became much more removed, uh, did not really mm-hmm. want to talk about his the relative that had passed away, uh, wanted to be involved in so- uh, things other than socializing, became much more pensive and introspective. And, you know, in looking at a situation like that, you you are reminded of the phrase that we've all heard a hundred times. Everybody grieves in their own way. You seem to think in the book and write that that is false. Why is that false? <laughs> well, well, false is strong. But, yeah, I, I, I feel like, you know, I'm, maybe I'm a contrarian. But as soon as someone says 
the same thing over and over again. I always think like, wait a minute, is that really true? <laughs> and, uh, and I thought more and more about it. And of course, there's truth to it. Of course, everybody moves through their grief in their own way. Everybody experiences loss in their own way. But I really felt like in talking to many, many grievers, that the way in which it seems like all of us were processing our grief, was working through it, was in, in, in a way by talking about or sharing or writing about our feelings and our grief. In other words, not avoiding it. So, so not numbing the pain with drugs or alcohol or distractions, but actually engaging with our loss. And so everyone engages differently with the loss. But the idea of just like, there's some commonality to all of our grievers. And, uh, and to me, it felt like articulate, finding the words, <laughs> the title of the book, but articulating what was happening to us, um, to other people in, in whatever form it took, um, was a way of, of processing that felt pretty universal. So with a couple that you mentioned, in a way, it, 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 that's the husband's introspective, but if, if he's writing about uh, what he's feeling, uh, expressing in some form, um, then he's processing and she's processing it by talking about it. But they're both, in a way, uh, maybe engaging in their grief um, uh, in a similar way, even though it, it, it seems different because they're, you know, one's public and one's private. But they're, they're both, they're wrestling with it, right? They're, they're engaged with it. They're not shutting themselves away from it, which um, I think is, is how we get through it. You, you, lost, you launched a one-man show that deals with this subject. Yeah. It's called Grief, a One-Man Blank Show. I think a lot of times uh, we view people, especially the loss of a child, uh, we view that as something so personal and so private. Tell me about mm -hmm. your decision to have this one-man show and share it with strangers. Yeah, yeah. Well, it came about, I think, for two reasons. One is, I feel like our society is is grief averse in a large sense, and um, people avoid it. People don't people don't know how to how to talk to people who are grieving. They're scared of it. Um, and so, part of me was like, I want to talk about this. I want to share this horrific loss and and normalize grief for other people. Um, I want to fight against that tendency that we have to to not want to talk about it. You know, um, because I think that there's so much pain. There's so much uh, attendant pain that comes with grief and grieving because people, in a sense, abandon the people who are grieving because they don't want to talk to them. So they, they step away and they say, oh, they're, they're grieving. Let, let them be alone in their grief. Let them, you know, work through their pain and come back to us when they're ready. And in a way, when I speak to many, many grievers, their experience of that is like, everyone's abandoned me. Why aren't they calling me? Why aren't my friends and family reaching out every day to talk to me? This terrible thing happened to me. And so I really want to encourage people um, to not step away from people who are grieving, but to actually you know, find the courage to engage with them and, and talk about their grief. And so part of the show is, is that is that mission of let's talk about this. You, this whole book is filled with great practical advice for people that might be dealing with loss. One of the things that you focus on in each chapter and again, uh, the book is Finding the Words, Working Through Profound Loss with Hope and Purpose, is the importance of journaling. Why does mm -hmm. that help? Well, uh, I feel like, again, it's, it's, if we can articulate what's happening to us, it, it helps because there's so many you know, terrible thoughts that come along with grief. There's, there's, there's those feelings of guilt 
shame, um, and, and that can apply to almost any grief. You know, are we crying enough? <laughs> are we crying too much? There's so much. There's so much judgment. I think that comes along with it: self judgment and um, self punishment, and and then fear. It's very scary to live in a world without someone who means everything to you, um, especially if it's a sudden death. Right? Uh, it's so hard to to handle. And if we can write about it. It, it takes some of that sting away. It takes some of the, the frightening aspects of, of grief and loss. And also, I think it helps us to just process it, to literally integrate it. I mean, when we have a new reality now, right? Like we, we talked about in the very beginning, the idea that our, our identity is shattered. We have to rebuild that identity. How do we do that? Well, if, if we can think about it, write about it, talk about it, find words to express what's happening to us, uh, it helps. I think it really helps. The other thing, one of the many other things that you that you talk about is the importance of community. How does community help and how do people get started in terms of taking um, taking advantage of community? Yeah, well, so so again, with the Jewish tradition of of uh, Shiva, it was really there was a structure. So people would come to my house and and they would talk to Gail and I and we would talk about Ruby and Hart. We would all share Ruby and Hart stories. And it felt like, oh, this is grieving. Here we are grieving in community. It's so, I don't feel so alone because here are dozens and dozens of people who are also mm. weeping with me. Um, and then when Shiva ended, the structure's gone and people are suddenly scared. They don't even know if they can come and visit. They don't want to say Ruby and Hart's names because they're scared it might hurt me. Mm. And and suddenly it's like, wait, what, what happened? <laughs> hey guys, come back. I, I need more. Um, and so... I, I, Gail and I, my wife and I, we, we developed this, what I call a grief spiel, where we'd pull people aside and say, look, please talk about Ruby and Hart. Please say their names. Know that you, you can't That's, hurt me. You can't trigger me because I haven't forgotten. You know what right. I mean? You're not going to remind Understood. me. Understood. Don't well, worry. <laughs> uh, I'm going to have to leave it there. Uh, Colin Campbell, I hope people check out the book, Finding the Words, and uh, they can also check out your website at colincampbellauthor.com. Thanks, Colin. Thank you, Frank. I really appreciate it. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead.